Welcome to the New Auteurs. I'm Carson Cook. And I'm Zach D'Amico. And this is a special pseudo-emergency episode we're recording today, the day the 93rd Academy Award nominations were released. 93rd. That means the Oscars are eligible for their vaccine to keep them alive. That is true. That's all I got. That was my fun <laughs> bit. That was my fun COVID-related Oscars bit. Listen, it was a uh, good, so, a special good episode. What I mean, what, what did you get up at five, God knows what time this morning? Absolute, Body time, 4 a.m.? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I am someone who very much enjoys the Oscars and the prognostication. I love the ceremony, uh, despite the, the flaws of the institution as a whole. But yeah, I wasn't. I'm, I'm past the point where I'm getting up at five in the morning to watch someone read a list when I can, I can look them up when I wake up. It's fine. First of all, show some respect to Priyanka Chopra Jonas and her husband, I think Joe, but I'm not sure. Nick? No, Nick. Nick Jonas. I'm looking at you like you might know, but I I don't know that you do. I assume you're doing this. Nick Jonas did this joke basically on Saturday Night Live like two weeks ago. So I assumed you were just doing No, I wasn't. I I genuinely didn't. I forgot. Uh, So respect to them. It's not just watching someone read the nominees. It's watching the beautiful, love-filled repartee of uh of priyanka and nick so sure first of all that and second of all that's it that's it that's it. it's just first of all i i am lucky slash unlucky enough that my wife sarah gets up at 5 a.m anyway uh which means our dogs get up at 5 a.m which means i get up at 5 a.m every day anyway for usually 30 seconds before i fall back asleep so it was easy enough for me to like roll my way to the couch so instead of doing category by category or some other well-structured, probably advisable approach here. We are going to do a list of categories to break down some of our favorite nominations, the biggest surprises, the most disappointing nominations, some other some other fun things. Why don't we just jump right into them? Yeah. Biggest cool. surprise. The biggest surprise. I will the tell you. The best surprise. The best surprise. It's got to be positive here. That's the true. Best surprise. The best surprise. There's there's a couple here. Uh, I think the one I'll go with is I was shocked at the skullduggery that went on to wow. put Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya in Best Supporting Actor. I did not see that that coming as as the way that that would happen. I assume and that Stanfield was campaigned in lead. He was campaigned so it's in lead. Not even like the movie just completely shamefully campaigned the literal two titular characters of the movie in supporting they campaigned him in lead and it just didn't yeah it's it's wild i would love to see the breakdown about how many voters chose to put them both in this category whether it's a bunch of voters who are saying okay we're gonna do the the ensemble tactic which doesn't really work when it's your two titular characters who are taking up most of the movie's screen time, we're going to put them both in supporting. And how many just, you know, didn't put Daniel Kaluuya? Like, for instance, were there people who voted for Kaluuya in lead and then put Stanfield in supporting enough that they both wound up in supporting? My guess is no. My guess is that there was intentional I would assume so because Kaluuya was nominated, has been nominated in, in several other awards. So he won the Golden Globe for supporting right. actor. So I would right. assume everyone is relatively on the same page as to him. And Stanfield hasn't shown up anywhere. So there wasn't really any guidance there other than the studio's campaign, which was he's lead. The Which I, I think the only real claim that he's lead there is that he's the framing device. So you can argue that it's told from his yeah. perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, in, at in least terms, that he's the lead over Kaluuya. Right. In terms of how I would rank it, I would say it's their co-leads or Kaluuya is the lead. And then I guess it's Stanfield is the lead. And then the least like plausible scenario is that they're both supporting. That they're both just supporting but, some mythical lead figure who we don't know who it is yet. Yeah. I was going to say, the, po- the point is like, cool. Like I'm fine with them bending the rules to, in this particular instance, to get them both in. That's fun. Yeah, I find the sort of category fraud is usually just pretext to complain about a nomination you don't like. Mm-hmm. But then when it's a nomination you do like, and I'm talking about myself here too, I'm a total hypocrite. Like if it's totally. a nomination I don't like and it's category fraud, then category fraud is the literal downfall of cinema. Yeah. But if it's a nomination I like, then it's like, you know, who cares? 
I, yeah. I like both Agreed. of those. Both of those guys were fantastic. Plus, I bet it led to one of the actual few genuinely shocking moments for a nominee. Because at this point, like especially with the massive expansion of the internet, like everyone kind of knows if they even have a shot. So when they're watching, maybe they're genuinely surprised if they hear their name. Like, holy smokes, I really didn't expect it. But like, you knew that it could happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lakeith Stanfield was probably just chilling. Best Supporting Actor came super early and Best Actor, like Lead Actor didn't come till later. So he was probably just like getting ready to be excited for Kaluuya and waiting to probably be disappointed a half hour later. And all of a sudden his name pops up last on the list. Yeah. Like that's that's a genuinely shocking moment, which is always fun. It's fun. Yeah. I liked it. Okay, my, mine for this one is is the other, I think... I think the two big shockers were Stanfield and then Thomas Vinterberg yes. for another round. And another round was one of my three favorite movies of last year. So I was just thrilled. And I hadn't really like considered it possible. I know that the director's branch is probably at the forefront of the Academy's internationalization globalization over the last few years. And they nominated Pavel Pawlikowski. A couple years ago, uh, they often nominate international directors. So I probably should have expected it, but I feel like every year there's one to two changes from the Directors Guild five nominees. And this year it was the Directors Guild nominated the four people who were nominated at the Oscars, Lee Isaac Chung, Emerald Fennell, David Fincher, and Chloe Zhao, and then Sorkin. And I figured if it wasn't Sorkin or maybe Emerald Fennell, it would be like Regina King for One Night in Mm -hmm. Miami or Shaka King for Judas, especially when Judas started getting a lot of love over the course of the morning. I was like, oh, I bet it's going to be Shaka King. And because another round didn't get play anywhere else other than international. It's just here. Like, I believe when Pawlikowski was nominated, Joanna Kulig was also nominated for Best Actress. So it was kind of like, oh, you saw the support. It was nominated for cinematography too yes. that year. So you saw the support happening. But here it was like just Vinterberg, which is a fascinating. If you if you, we only saw one from another round, I almost would have expected Mads Mikkelsen for actor, but it wasn't. So that one really threw me off, but I was very happy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they do, the directors love to, to throw an international guy in there. And yeah, I mean, I also might've expected the one to be, to be Mads, but he was... I, I think Sorkin was just weaker than any of the actors in Leeds. So it was going to be harder for him to break in. Do you think they, I feel like the Academy often uses screenplay as a chance to reward a film that doesn't win director or picture, but they still really liked like maybe a promising young woman, but do you think they could do the reverse here? The sort of like, it's not going to win and we didn't nominate Sorkin for director, which was a tough move on our part. So maybe we should give him the screenplay award. I could see that happening. I think it's, well, I mean, we're going to get to our, our predictions later, okay. right? I apologize. I, right? I, I, I jumped ahead. All right. Let's, let's go to the next one. I'm going to go, I'll go first this time. Let's do most disappointing this because okay. it's, it's, it's Delroy Lindo. I, I was actually, this was, I felt overall relatively positive as far as, especially compared to prior years. Like I felt like it was a really strong year. I was pretty happy, especially when it gets to this time of the year. Like I already have a sense of what has a chance. So like my favorites that don't have a real chance, I'm not devastated when they're not in because I know that I already knew Carrie Coon wasn't going to get nominated. Right. But Delroy Lindo, which is so transformative in the five bloods, like that is an overpowering movie. And he is far and away the most memorable haunting piece of it and it's just a damn shame and the entire movie was did not get enough appreciation over reward season but him in particular i just in a category full of very strong performances i still think it's a huge shame to leave him out i was very very sad yeah no i i absolutely agree that would be my number one my number one miss there Obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna call something a snub, you do have to like say what you would have kicked out. And while I have not seen the father yet, that's uh, that's my my kind of last big remaining blind spot. I would say uh, I, I would have no problem not having Gary Oldman in here for Delroy Lindo. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Oldman, and I think he's pretty good. I certainly like make more than most people, but. Not more than the Academy, he's it fine. appears. Yeah, I mean, not to, clearly. <laughs> Apparently not. 
Uh, yeah, but but I mean, that's you you summed it up pretty well. I'll also throw out that uh, it pains me that the tenet score couldn't make the cut. As uh, as we mentioned, I think in our our top things from from movies, it was my my big my big pull. Great score. Sad. Sad to be out, but it's very sad. And you can't even chalk it up to like the Academy's preference for uh, more traditional scores because they gave Gorenson a nomination for Black Panther. So you know they're at least receptive to what he's doing. They gave him the win. They gave him the win for Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But, you know. All right. What do we want to do next here? Oh, we got a bunch of, we got some fun ones. Why don't we, why don't we do the just happy to be nominated award? Because I... I've got, I, I think we already talked about this. I think it's Venterberg. That's that's my pick here. That's fair. I, I mean, he's nominated and that's awesome, but has absolutely no shot at winning, uh, especially as you you mentioned, there's no other presence of another round other than other than Best International, of course. And, yes. and it's probably going to win that category now. Yeah. So I, I, I got... Two options. My my big winner for this category is Sean Sean the Sheep, mm-hmm. because th- this category is part. Oh, it's a nice surprise to be nominated, and it's part. I have no chance of winning, and like Soul is winning this category. And if Soul doesn't win this category, Wolf Walkers is winning this category. And then there is a Netflix animated movie that has a relatively large footprint, and there is another Pixar movie, and. Sean the Sheep, Farmageddon, which is the after the colon subtitle of this movie, is just happy to be here. And then I would also say every Best Actor nominee except Chadwick Boseman, because you've got two guys who've won before. They're on, you know, Oldman's on his third nomination. Hopkins has more than that. And I don't think they really expect to win. And you got two guys who are on their first nominations of hopefully many. And then you have the guy that everyone knows is going to win Chadwick Boseman. So I think everyone's just sort of, I think they all could have expected to be nominated. So it probably wasn't a huge surprise, but they're all kind of like, all right, that's as far as I'm getting this year. My only, my only pushback is the first Sean, the sheep movie was also nominated and lost. Is there a, it's time for Sean the Sheep narrative <laughs> that could form. I'm for the farm again. I'm just I'm just saying right. maybe there's an overdue narrative. Maybe this is the year that Glenn Close and Sean the Sheep finally 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 win. everyone the everyone gets the monkey off their backs. Sean the Sheep literally gets the monkey off its back. I think yeah. that was the plot of Farm Again. It's possible. That's all I'm saying. I think so. I think so. All right. Next up, let's go with let's go with what what I am now calling and I changed this in the last 10 minutes. I'm now calling the American Beauty Award, which is that it, this might not age that well. And I'm, I'm interested in both what movie or performance or nomination you think will age really well. Like people kind of aren't paying that much attention to it now, but 10 years from now, it'll be like, wow, we didn't appreciate that. Maybe that's the social network. Like, yeah, that should have won. Um, or the Mad Max Fury Road. And then on the flip side, the American Beauty of what were we thinking? So I... For the American Beauty Award, I think it's Trial to Chicago 7, and in particular, Sasha Baron Cohen, or not in particular, but along with it, Sasha Baron Cohen's performance. Not because I think it ages poorly in any way, but I just think we're in a very, like, there are multiple movies this year that are in dialogue with the politics of the late 60s and how those politics are mirrored today. And... Trial of Chicago 7, I think, is sort of the softest one of those movies. And I think it could look naive in a way that already turns some people off. I enjoyed that movie, to be clear. But I think 10 years from now could look especially, especially bad. And then I think on the flip side, Sasha Baron Cohen's other movie, Bora, I think that will age like a fine line. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on Chicago 7. Uh, I, I think it's a movie I like quite a bit but I think it's going to be kind of eminently forgettable. And if it hadn't been nominated for a bunch of Oscars, we probably already would have forgotten about it. Like if it wasn't on the award circuit, then I'm not sure we would really be talking about it at all. I also, I, 
I saw, I, I think it was David Sims on, on Twitter today talking about how Mank is going to follow the Benjamin Button trajectory where it gets a bunch of Oscar nominations, probably doesn't win a lot, and then becomes more well-liked down the road. I probably don't agree with that. I, I think Mank is probably going to go down as a, a, a lesser Fincher effort that's my prediction that it's not one that when we talk about Fincher in 10 years or whenever or when he eventually wins assuming it's not for Mank that that Mank is not going to be a movie we're going to talk about much with him Mank is elite Mank Mank is is second tier Fincher and top tier Fincher is Zodiac so yeah that's a that's what I said no uh I'm like I'm like close to it's like bottom tier Fincher. I'm trying to figure out exactly how many Fincher movies I'd put above it and like recalibrate my rankings on the fly for the hottest take possible. Sure. It's like close. It's definitely close to the bottom. Alien three is definitely above it. So it's That's, really, a, you're just, you're literally just saying that to be provocative. It's really a fight to the bottom with Benjamin Button, but yeah, that would it, even, you would even piss off. He, Fincher has disavowed. I'm not getting into this, but Fincher has disavowed it. He has. It's true. Shame on you. And then as far as what would look best, I, I wrote down a couple names as opposed to, to movies. And, yeah. and I think you're right with Borat because I think the, uh, the Maria Bagalova nomination, which, you know, was increasingly becoming clear, was likely to happen, is one of those that you look back. I think similar to how we now look at that Melissa McCarthy Bridesmaids nomination okay. we're about like we're like about 10 years i guess away from that yep. now and and i think that'll hold up as a, a really impressive comedy performance that that stands the test of time and and i think that you know she's a front runner but i i think we will look back and think that chloe Zhao getting nominated for nomadland and possibly winning i think she's she has to be sure. considered the front runner right, is i think that's going to look really good with the passage of time i think you're right I sometimes I do wish I didn't pay attention to the awards circuit because imagine if you in like September just kind of unplugged from like movie conversation online and then tuned back in this morning and saw like amongst many shocking nominations Maria Bakalova because you're right it's sort of like little by little by little by little things become more and more likely until all of a sudden nobody's surprised that this first time like pretty much in one of her first roles got nominated for an absurd vulgar performance in the sequel to Borat like <laughs> the fact that we're not that surprised by that is amazing but also it, it takes something away from the experience when you follow it so closely yeah I, I think the, the rough cut staff has definitely talked about this over the years but things would be so much better if the Oscars were the first award show because then like they would set the stage and other groups and organizations and whatever and award shows would then instead of trying to you know kind of predict what the oscars are going to do or just kind of go along with the consensus would i think be incentivized to differentiate themselves so that people would care after the oscars and they, they would do what some of the critics groups do beforehand, but they wouldn't have to guess like the critics groups do at like what they think won't get appreciation. Absolutely. All right. Next up, what do you think? Let's do, I think you called this the, the Suicide Squad Award in our, in our document here. Uh, what's, the, what's the movie that seems to be there just to get the telecast numbers up? And it's a weird Pusevic. year. It's a weird year. And I think that could be it. Uh, I think it's Husevic to get the Will Ferrell fans out. Uh, so my, or, or go ahead. Well, I was going to say, my take is that there's the, the crossover is that it actually is Borat. It just happens that they really liked Borat and all the critics groups have, and the word shows have liked Borat, but that's the movie that is going to, that is going to get people interested to watch this. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I also think, again, if we're speaking less about the thing that is designed to do this and more about the thing that just will, I think it's Chadwick. 
Like, I think mm-hmm. everyone turns this on to see if yes. Chadwick wins a, a posthumous Oscar in a similar manner that they did with Heath Ledger. Uh, with Ledger, yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's right. That gets a lot of people. I also think the best actor category actually generally, like I think a lot, I think I think a lot of people who, a lot of people who know who Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman are, already watch the Oscars. A lot of people mm-hmm. who know who Riz and Steven Yeun are do not watch the Oscars. They're not like, big movie aficionados so i could see people tuning in for some of the like younger core of actors yeah they're excited for acting categories totally totally cool all right next one i go first here why don't we do favorite our our favorite set of five and our uh our the most disappointing set of five okay i think my favorite is just directors my top three movies of last year were Promising Young Woman, Minari, and Another Round. And then Mank for me was like top 10. So that it's it's that's as close as I'm ever going to get of one of the top categories of getting just pretty much all of my favorite movies uh, and the directors of those movies. So that was fantastic for me. I also will stump for Best Production Design, mm-hmm. which I think is is extremely varied between like a couple of period pieces a more unique modern piece an action movie i you know i think it was a good mix of styles uh, and all extremely well done so yeah i i definitely director immediately came to mind but i would say i i really like the supporting actor lineup i've talked a little bit about this already with the the double judas nod but i like Leslie Odom Jr., even if he may not even be my favorite performance in One Night in Miami, but I like that it it got something there. And Paul Racy in Sound of Metal. And then even, and I I like Sasha Baron Cohen in in Chicago 7. I think that's a really strong lineup. And I also really like the best original screenplay category, which I think uh, from, you've got Judas and Minari and Promising Young Woman in Sound of Metal and Chicago seven. I think that's a good, I I know people's mileage varies on Chicago seven, but I I think that's a strong, strong. You can never say Sorkin doesn't write a great script. Agreed. Agreed. Like we're obviously we're, we're Sorkin apologists in a lot of ways. I think the, the two of us, but, but proudly, proudly. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Don't feel so. any shame. Plus, Derek, Derek Stan France gets his first Oscar nomination. Yeah. Which is, which which, which is is fun. I like him. All right. So what's your what is your your weakest set though? Weakest, I think it's documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think you're missing you're missing Dick Johnson, you're missing Boys State, you're missing Welcome to Chechnya, three of the best documentaries of the year, from what I saw, and I they often go all over the place. And in past years, sometimes they've surprised by like picking the more experimental documentary against the expectations and maybe that has raised my expectations or our expectations too much and now they're kind of back to normal so that was disappointing and then i would have liked to seen a bit more inspiration in the costumes category Mm -hmm. it often is just heavily similarly themed period pieces and i continue to be disappointed by it when you have movies like like what if they just went rogue and picked the old guard like, why not pick something that is is either futuristic or action movie, but is, is I mean, just so incredibly costumed. I would have loved that. So those would be my two. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I was surprised by the documentary category because I definitely expected to have seen more of them than I did uh, because I thought it would be populated with several of the ones that you, you mentioned and it obviously was not. So I'd like to say that that's weak but i i almost can't because i haven't seen enough of them so i don't know maybe the octopus teacher one is is great i know my my parents texted me and they're like we watched this octopus movie and we love it you should watch it then i didn't so you know maybe that's maybe that's on me but the for me and i kind of saw this coming best song is kind of boring in my opinion it's it's several really nice kind of pretty songs, but they're all, there's not a lot of variety. I don't think in that category. And, and I like it when, I mean, you get like, who's Vic is your, your fun song in that category, but it's not even like the fun song from that movie. It's this kind of the serious song from that movie. 
So I don't know. I'm always, this is a category I'm like always disappointed in. Always. They never, I mean, I'm disappointed usually on two fronts. It's like, I wish they'd either commit to music that is actually like woven into the fabric of these movies and isn't just written so that it can get an Oscar nomination. Or credits songs should not be allowed, period. Fully agree. Or lean the other way and just like pick songs that are going to make for a dope telecast. Mm-hmm. and like songs and performers that are going to bring people to watch this in the same way that like the Grammys, obviously the Grammys is literally a music award show, but nonetheless, like they put so much money into those performances and they were just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. They had the opportunity to have Rodimus prime rap about poverty porn and they missed their shot. They said, no, it's very upsetting to me. Very upsetting, but all right, you know. Let's, uh, I, I want to do, can we do our ideas for the Oscar ceremony next? Yes. Okay. We can. <laughs> I have I have one word for you, and that word okay, is go. montages. I want, like, quintuple the amount of montages that they normally have. I want a montage, a montage for every single category about the history of that category, and I do not care if it makes the ceremony six hours long, this is all I'm here for. And if it's all this pre-taped stuff, then it would help avoid all the awkward social distancing stuff that we're going to have to deal with. Just well, and that's the thing is lots like, of pre-taped. They're people are tuning in to watch. They are choosing to watch. Own that, and just be proud of a long ceremony that loves movies. That's the whole damn point. Yes. I'm hoping Soderbergh will really lean into that since he's producing the Oscars. Um, I, I completely agree. A lot of montages. The, the, like I said, the Grammys are primarily mm-hmm. music performances the, and they're not going to reenact scenes up on stage. Although now that I say it, maybe they should. Yeah. Uh, but the, the equivalent of that, the parallel here is, is montages. I like it. I All right. Montages. I have got, I've got two ideas here. Okay. One is the reason I wanted to transition to this, and that is the music performances. I think you get people to watch. I think music, like musical performances can only be performed by people in the movie. So you've got to have Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams perform Husevic. You've got to have Lakeith Stanfield sing Fight For You. And they can join, like, he can join H.E.R. for Fight For You. That's fine. But I want him out there on stage. I want Leslie Odom Jr. out there. I want Sasha Baron Cohen out there singing Hear My Voice. That's one. My other one is more unique and I think is a one and done type thing. And that is, I think they should use this ceremony, right? It's April 25th mm-hmm. to, you know, people have, talk, have talked about it as like a reopening of, of movie theaters and movies and hey, we're back. And the timing of that is, is for the most part, seems like it's going to be perfect. You want it on I Zoom, think they should the whole it. thing. Zoom focused with filters and everything. Definitely not. Hard pass. Uh, no, I think they should use it to just, I think they should tease a crap ton of announce, of big announcements to mm. get people watching. I think they should tease the last Black Widow trailer. I think they should tease a new Dune trailer. I think they should tease a new No Time to Die trailer. I think what, like a couple of the studios, because right now, uh, April, May and June are still particular, like they're still relatively empty as far as release dates go because people were being extra cautious. If we get to like early to mid-April and things are still continuing to open up, I bet a couple of studios could make like a lot of money moving into a late May slot. So just plan like how I got Warner brothers come out and say, we're moving one of our big movies to May. We'll announce it at the Oscars or like, you just like tease a bunch of stuff like that to get people to watch. This, this comes up every so often. And I agree. It is insane that the Oscars don't treat their ad space like the Super Bowl in terms of, but like for movie trailers, because all the big movie trailers play the Super Bowl and you should just also do that during the Oscars. It's wild that they don't lean into it. It it really does not make any sense to me, Uh, but but no, I think it's a great idea. All right, great. Fix the Oscars, now what's next? All right, so the lead acting categories, setting aside Chadwick Boseman, very, very sadly, there are four other nominees. There's two actors and two actresses. We got Riz Ahmed, Steven Yeun, 
Andrew Day, and Vanessa Kirby. Those are first time Oscar nominees in the lead categories. Which one of these actors is going to get another Oscar nomination first? Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. And here's my argument. I won't go through everyone's filmography and I, in case you want to do that for whoever you pick. But I, I'm going with her because... So she has a couple Mission Impossibles coming up. And those... So she'll she get, two, get nominated for those. Two Oscar, two Oscar nominations right there. Yeah, so right. she's a two coming up. She won't get nominated for those, but they, they will keep her profile extremely high. Right now she's extremely, like, quote unquote, hot. And she already had the world to come, like, on the back of, of Pieces of a Woman... And she, she, I mean, her performance was great and it was also acclaimed. And she's like supplementing those smaller movies with really strong depth of character type roles with Mission Impossible. And then she's coming back. And the only other movie on her docket right now is a movie called The Brutalist, which is about an architect who emigrates to the US and gets like involved in this grand master project. And it's by Brady Corbett, who did Vox Lux, which... Natalie Portman didn't get nominated, but there was talk about her getting nominated. And I can tell from your face, I know you love that movie and wanted her to get nominated. But. Yeah, I, I'm a, I like Fox Lux, but that movie was never getting anything no, no. for anyone. But I think he can, he, can, he can push his actors, or at least he did in that case push mm-hmm. his actor. And I think the combination of her staying in the public eye through huge movies and then following up. And, and then right now she's also just like, I think people want to reward her. She's really, really good. And she, although she has like, she, it seems like she's just exploding. She's been working for like long enough that she is in a weird position of both being, having like the, the, the glossy sheen of the newcomer, but also the goodwill of someone who's kind of been around a bit. I, I like that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's Reese Ahmed. And for a couple of reasons, similarly, I think he has a pretty high profile. He was in a star Wars. He was in, oh, what was that show called? The night of right. The, the mini series yeah, with Totoro. Yeah. And was, was acclaimed for that. I think he was, you know, maybe he wasn't on the cusp, but I think he was almost on the cusp for nightcrawler in terms of, in terms of the Oscars, all of that and kind of his public, in terms of awareness, I think people are maybe more aware of him than, than some of these others. And I think he has the most Oscar Beatty project lined up if his Hamlet well, sure. shoots. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If that thing actually comes out, which he's been talking about for a while, and I think it's going to be at Netflix now. If he plays Hamlet, I think he's got a really good shot just given how talented he is of, at a nomination yeah, yeah at a nomination yeah. Yeah. so i think that's probably right i think that he was my second choice so that's a, that's a good call all right why don't we get into i know we already discussed sort of the the biggest snub uh but just the best thing in a movie that was left out and not nominated that has maybe hasn't already been mentioned and then the worst thing worst thing in the movie that was included yeah so i was kind of disappointed this is i'm really gonna say like five different things but it's really it's it's contained i promise promising young woman and birds of prey i were both shut out of all three of costuming makeup and production design and i really like all three of those things for both those movies so that was that was a bummer a bummer for me i know that this isn't technically like what makeup and hair is but the scene where she gives hair ties to the other like that should be included in hair and it should garner them a nomination i agree and i mean the worst thing that's that's included i i don't know if i have a good good answer for that can i just say gary oldman again that's sure yeah yeah i guess Uh, it's lame but sure yeah whatever think of this as the bohemian rhapsody in editing award Mm, yeah, I'm gonna go with Gary Oldman and Mank for best Fair actor. Enough. Fair enough. All right. So I mean, that was actually particularly hard. Most years, it's very easy. It's it's hard to it would be hard to dwindle down that. I do think this year, 
there weren't that many like big fun surprises. There were a couple, but it was just overall a really strong year. I think part of that is like you didn't have a lot of these big studio movie Oscar bait. Like a lot of the Oscar bait that half of it ends up good, half of it ends up bad, but it all ends up nominated. A lot of that got pushed. And so I do think like quality rose to the top. But and it's I mean it's also a thing where there there are some so it's been it's been a weird year and I I watched a different set of movies, pretty much all of them from my home. And, you know, I would be tempted to say something like, yeah, the worst thing in a movie is whatever hillbilly elegy for makeup and hairstyling, but I didn't watch hillbilly elegy. So uh, I, I can't say that. Fair enough. All right. For best, I was going to go, I promising Young woman was on my list. And the other one I was going to go with, but I've already mentioned it, is Carrie Coon in The Mm -hmm. Nest, her Mm -hmm. performance. So what I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the visual effects for Invisible Man. Mm. Because that movie, I mean, it rests entirely on its ability to instill fear through space and through, like, I've seen some of the the behind-the-scenes videos of, like, the, the... man in like a green screen suit basically that they can then you know have them i mean you have to that, that's really difficult to pull off like to film a scene with a person and then cut them out through visual effects uh and still like capture their presence while not including any indication of their actual presence uh i thought that was really really good and again it, like you know good yeah it's a huge bummer that that movie's left out of sound too which i think goes yes. goes right along with with what you're talking yes. about I agree. Yeah. For worst, I'm going with Borat as a screenplay because that movie, especially some of its its best moments, are largely improvised and or it's like a setup. Uh, you know, in which he goes to the cabin with these two guys. That's entirely improvised. One of the best, the, like one of the best things that that was actually written ahead of time is the song, which you could have just given a song nomination to and wrapped up the award for the writing which was a lot of the same people who wrote the song, wrote the script or what there was of a script. So I, and, and I want to give credit. I do think any and all most improvised movies, people here improvise and they think it must not have a script and like scripts are difficult to write. And when you improvise a movie, you need, need, need a structure. You need setups, especially in Borat. Like you need really strong setups uh, that brilliant actors can then create and, and build off of. But when you only get to nominate five scripts, I would not nominate that script. Yeah, I think I think that's totally, totally fair. There's something I, I like. I like that. And I think the first Borat also had a, a script nomination. And I like them partially for what you're saying, that it is kind of, it, there's a boundary breaking thing and there's an expansion of what a screenplay is that is showcased by nominating something like this. I kind of wish they would, you know, extend that. I think it would have been fun to see Borat nominated for editing, for instance, which I think is a must be a horribly difficult task because they must have just so much that they're paring down and choosing what to use. And- yeah. I really like the nomination by the Producers Guild. And a lot of people were saying, oh, that means it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. Um, but one of the things about the Producers Guild nominating it is like they understood the difficulty of pulling that off like that was the Mm -hmm. first movie to continue in production after covid and they have to not only did they have to basically create all these protocols for an entire industry and for the movie but they also had to continue like that is also even without covid a very difficult production to pull off because of the danger that you're putting the cast and the crew in and the sort of running gun nature of it so i like it getting the producers guild nomination there Cool. I have a, I have a couple quick, I think that mostly, I think that wraps it up for categories. I think so. I have a couple, I have two quick uh, burning questions for you before we wrap up with our predictions. Sure. Actually, no, I have just one. The other is related to a prediction. The first one is whether you think Stanfield and Coulier are going to vote split, but I'll let, I'll let you cover that when you get to your prediction for the category. Mm-hmm. So my, my real hot burning question is how many people watch the Oscars? For reference. Yeah, thank you. The Globe, the Globes had 18 million last year, 5 million this year. The Emmys, the Grammys had 18 million last year and uh, between eight and nine this year. So slightly better. The Oscars had 23 and a half million last year. So where, where do they fall? Give me an over under. I'll write this down for future reference. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, given what you just said, I think it's possible there's a, I think that the, the Chadwick factor exists. I think people will tune in to see him honored by what is, you know, considered the preeminent film body. But I don't know, probably, I think we're talking maybe Grammys territory. So, yeah. Eight to nine million. Wow. All right. Yeah, I think if they hit double digits, that's like close enough to a win. The closest they're going to get to a win right now. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Here we wrap up with our, our predictions now. We'll see how they change. This is before any of the big guilds give out their awards. Yeah. The BAFTAs give out their awards. And then you see sort of where the momentum lies. So yeah, these do... are our initial hot takes. All right. So let's, let's do the top eight here. Let's go reverse order. Okay. Best original screenplay. Go ahead. Chicago seven. I'm going to go with promising young woman. The sort of reward prefer the movie that. that that isn't winning elsewhere rather than reward the, the guy who didn't get the directing. Now my, my, my wondering is if him not getting the directing nod is related to the writing is the important thing here. And he's Stands a out. writer. Stands out. Yeah. You know, the director's guild is very, is pretty clubby. They are. You know? All right. I'll go best adapted screenplay. I'll go. I'll, I'll list all the nominees uh, moving forward. So you got Nomadland, One Night in Miami, The Father, Borat subsequent movie film, and The White Tiger. I'm going to go with One Night in Miami. I think Nomadland's probably the favorite here, but I, I, I think that movie got uh, unfortunately shunted to the side in a lot of categories here, and it is a stage adaptation, and so I do think the writing stands out. It's very talky, and so I think if they're going to find a spot to reward it, I think it'll be here. That that makes sense. I'm, I'm going to go with Nomadland. That's fair. I think uh, that it's hard hard for me to to go against that it just has i think the momentum so why don't we go to best supporting actor we've got sasha baron cohen in trial of chicago seven kaluuya and stanfield in judas and the black messiah leslie odom jr in one night in miami and paul racy in sound of metal who you got i got kaluuya I've also got Kaluuya. I think it's, it, I don't think it's quite a lock, but I think it's yeah. getting pretty close. And, and to answer and your I question don't from really before, think anyone, I, there's no I don't think split. anyone who was going to vote for Kaluuya is now voting for Lakeith Stanfield. Agreed. Because they like that performance more in that movie. And I also, even if that happens, even if there's like a little bit of a vote split between that movie, I don't think either of the other guys is positioned as an obvious enough alternative, maybe Baron Cohen, but I think he's the weird, he's the one who could benefit from, from a vote split just yeah, because he's got of two movies, yes. he's got the goodwill. Yeah. Yep. But I still think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. All right. Best supporting actress. You've got Yunya Jung in Minari, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Maria Bakalova in Borat. Olivia Coleman in The Father, and Amanda Seyfried in Mank. Okay. So this is the category of like the big categories I think is just a, a complete bloodbath. I have absolutely, absolutely no idea. And for that reason, I'm going with Glenn. I think okay. this might be the year that finally Glenn Close gets her Oscar. A true hillbilly elegy. I guess yeah. I didn't see that movie or read the book. <laughs> that sounds right. I don't know. <laughs> the only note I had. Uh, that's exciting. I hope so. I just read that everyone gets, so the Oscars are going to be in person at Union Station and they're going to, as well as at the Dolby, mm-hmm. but they're going to have all the presenters, the nominees and the nominees, one guest get to go in person. And I hope she brings her dog. Oh, that, that and, would and make, like, it, make it. Nobody in her family, just her dog. Uh, I think I'm going to go with, I really, I really have no clue. I'm going to go with Amanda Seyfried. I'm going to go again with the sort of like, the Academy is still full of people who love movies about movies. And this is where you reward that movie. 
is not winning anywhere else. I mean, I guess it could win. It could win like production design, but I think this is the the, the big category where you reward Mank, and I think she's relatively well liked. Yeah, that's that's what so. it seems like. It's a good pick. All right, best actor. You've got Risa Med in Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Mar Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Steven Yeun in Minari. It's obviously going to be Gary Oldman, I your would, favorite, right? It was just the, it's the powerhouse performance, the heavyweight, the, the, he deserves, he needs that second Oscar just a couple years after. Yeah, no, uh, I, think I think it's Chadwick. Yeah. I'd be very happy that it is Chadwick. Yeah, I, I think it has to be. I think it would be my, he, he'd be my pick regardless. And, and I'd be happy to, to see him. I think he deserves it. I think it's a great performance. I think you're right. All right. Best actress. You've got Andrew Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand in Nomadland. And Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Who do you got? This one's also kind of tricky. I, I, I feel like the, to a certain extent, the, uh, the group think is, is maybe it's Carrie Mulligan's time given some movement for Promising Young Woman. I'm going to predict that it's Viola, who has yet to win a Best Actress award. She obviously won for supporting. To what extent do you think the Academy takes that into account, or do they just think she's won? I think they might take it into account. I think she is someone who is seen as, even though she has an Oscar, still someone who's probably seen as, like, has not been given the number of Oscars that she is worthy of. And, yes. and I think that's probably something that is felt. So that's my, and, and I'm just not sure I am, despite what we see here, I am not, and how much I love promising a woman, I am not sold on its kind of Oscar winning potential overall. No, maybe not. It makes sense as a nominee, especially in Best Picture, where passion is rewarded for mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, unanimity. And now as you get into the entire Academy voting, uh, maybe that's less the case. Maybe it's less I don't successful. know. I have no idea. We'll see. I hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's extremely successful. I love that movie. All right. Uh, I really, I've been stalling. I'm going to say Vanessa Kirby. Bold. My, that'll be my no guts, no glory pick. Yeah. I just, I'm not convinced by any of the other people. And I think if there's going to be a surprise, it'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that might be, might be the case. All right. Second to last, we've got best director. We've got Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, David Fincher for Mank, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, and Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round. Yeah. I'm going to start to be a little chalky, I guess, but I think it's going to be Chloe Zhao. Uh, She's got all the momentum. It seems like hers to lose. I don't know who the spoiler is here unless it, unless it is Banks 10 nominations really do portend something else. Um, Widespread support. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's her to lose. I think you're right. I, I would take her too. I think she's the biggest lock in the top eight categories behind Chadwick. I think. Yeah. Because I, I just think even if Nomad Land doesn't win, I think she still wins. I think so too. Because I just don't like there's no obvious wave, right? Because all of these people, besides Vinterberg, who I don't think is gonna win, the other three had their had their movies nominated for Best Picture. And I don't think any one of the three is like obviously the clear second place or the clear in a horse race with Nomadland where it could split and direct, you know what I mean? I like, I think, and, and that movie is such like a vi- visual feast and the directing is what you pay attention to in mm-hmm. that movie. And it's what's getting talked about. So I, I do think that even again, even if Nomadland doesn't win, I think yeah. that Chloe wins. I guess the, the spoiler is if a, overdue Fincher narrative yep. emerges, guess, which it hasn't, which it hasn't yet. So I kind of don't think it's going to, yeah. but yeah. So we'll see. That brings us to best picture. We have 
The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I am going with Minari. Bold. I like it. Yeah, I figure why not be bold. I I do think that is, I think it's been gaining heat over the last couple months. I also think it has some of, I know that we don't have like a real campaign trail of in-person events and glad handing, but I think it has like, it has Alan Kim and Steven Yoon. And I, I just think it has a lot of people who are like tailor-made for short internet clips that get everyone talking and make everyone essentially fall in love with the movie and the people involved with the movie. Uh, you know, Yoon Jung, same thing. It's sort of like, you love these people's stories. You love uh, just like watching them talk, meeting them to the extent they do virtual events, whatever it is. So I think they could sort of just like win over the hearts of the Academy over the next month. That'd be cool. I'd love that. Yeah. I am going to... I had like a, a safer pick slotted in here. Sure. You and I think, I'm, chalk. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna throw caution to the winds and go with my backup, which is a right. much more exciting pick. Okay. And that is Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, let's go. The Great pick. I mean the, the probably str- not right, but probably not it. right, but like the 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 Stanfield thing is interesting. Yeah. They they forced him in there. Like, that's the thing. Like, they made room for him in a weird way, which I think signals something about how they think about that movie. And it also, right. yeah, it's got the screenplay nom. It's got the cinematography nom. It's got, I, I mean, it, it has some, some potential. Big one. Yeah. So... Yeah, and it, I could see it gaining steam. It was a late, obviously a late screening one. And, you know, I, I think it has some potential as a spoiler, deep spoiler. I think I think something like that getting cinematography is really interesting to me because it's not a lot of like gorgeous landscapes, vistas. It's not like black and white in the same way Cold War that one said, right? It's not this lush. It's, it's a lot of interiors. Yeah. It's a lot of interiors. It's a lot of like, it's really good blocking. There's a lot of like big group scenes. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily stick out that if you're going to give this movie a couple nominations, cinematography has got to be one, right? So the fact that, again, they fit it in there, they fit in Stanfield, I like it. That's a good limb to go out on. And it's a weird, I mean, it's, uh, even just to, to go to that for a minute, I mean, Bobbitt's a guy who they haven't rewarded in the past right. much, despite, you know. He's his, never been nominated. Yeah, and he's been a Steve McQueen guy. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like they saw it's not like they saw the name Deacons and just nominated exactly. whatever movie it was because yeah. it, it, it does pop up with the name. Yeah. That's good. That's another good point. All right. So there we go. Not a bad year of nominations. No, it's actually quite good. Pleased. All right. Yeah. Oh, we'll be back next week in the, in the next week and a half or so with uh, a regularly scheduled episode of the new auteurs focused on the Wachowski sisters and their 2008 masterpiece or disaster piece speed racer until then thanks for listening and justice for delroy